Uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 40 today, Psalm 40 in its entirety, verses 1 through 17. And hear now the word of God. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Sacrifice and offering you have not desired, but you have given me an open ear, Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who desire my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. God, we do pray this morning that you would open our ears, that we would hear and receive your word. Uh, that you would encourage us and change us for your sake, your glory's sake, and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, Tom Petty sang, the waiting is the hardest part, and it is indeed difficult. If you're a kid, if you're a child, and uh, you know about waiting for good things, maybe you're waiting for Christmas, waiting for your birthday, and it could be a long way off, or Maybe waiting to go to Disney World, it'll be a while if you had plans to do that. And waiting for good things can be really difficult, but waiting for difficult things and hard things to go away is even more difficult. That's the context of our psalm today. We find David saying in verse 1, I waited patiently, In the context was a cry. In verse 2, a pit of destruction and a miry bog. And that language in the Psalms has to do with 
a life-threatening difficulty. And so we are waiting. We're waiting uh, related to COVID-19. We're sitting in our homes and we're hunkering down. But, you know, most of us are waiting for other bad and difficult things to pass. And uh, that's just part of our life. We wait and we're patient. And today we're going to find out that there is a, um, a power in positive patience. We see that in our text. David is positive. David is upbeat as he waits on the Lord. He waits patiently on the Lord. Why is it that we can wait patiently for the Lord? Why is it that we can have positive patience? Because we know God is God. God is true. God is in control. God is able. And God is our Heavenly Father. We know that He cares for us. And we wait, but ultimately, we're not waiting for COVID-19 to go away. We're not waiting for other difficulties in our life. Maybe you're having job difficulties, employment difficulties, financial difficulties, difficulties with family members, uh, difficulties with a spouse. We wait for things to go away and for the disaster to be averted. But in our psalm today... David is not waiting on those bad things to go away so much as he is waiting on the Lord. He's patient with the Lord. That may sound a little sacrilegious. God, I'm being patient with you. But that is actually the heart that God wants us to have, that ultimately we know that in terms of all of these things in our life, that God is in control, and we're not waiting so much on them to be averted. We are waiting on God who is in control to avert those things. God, people try to get God off the hook all the time, even Christians. God, you know, the good things that happen in our life, well, God is responsible for those things, but the bad things, he would really like uh, if he could do something about it, but he really can't do something about it. God is sort of sitting on his hands, and so they're trying to get God off the hook, but the reality is that God is in control. We know that. And sometimes as Christians, we act like we're atheists. You know, it's interesting. People act inconsistently with what they believe all the time. There are atheists that act inconsistently with their atheism. I was uh, listening to a story, an account from uh, my friend Tommy, pastor, and uh, he had been a pastor and then he left the pastorate for a period of time came back ultimately to be a pastor, but during that interim, he worked for a, um, a multinational pharmaceutical company, a large company, and, and part of what this company would do is they would bring people in to their, um, to their corporate meetings, they would bring experts in, and they brought an expert in this particular for a particular gathering, and Tommy picked him up at the airport. Well, at the airport, uh, he got in the car, and he unleashed this torrent of profanity of cussing. He was obviously not very happy, and as he began to discuss what was going on, uh, this man said to, to Tommy, uh, my, my colleagues, my partners down in Los Angeles, are, uh, they, they want to uh, do this Bible study in our office, and, uh, and I'm an atheist, and I just, uh, it's crazy. How could these people believe this? How could they... Um, how could they countenance these things? It's just ignorant. It's, not, it, it's crazy. 
And so Tommy thought he'd have a little fun with them. And he said, you know, I used to be a pastor. So, oh, I can't believe you don't, you don't, you don't believe these things, do you? And he said, well, yeah, I, I kind of do. And um, not more than five minutes later, uh, this man gets a call. Um, now, right before that phone call, they had this conversation. The man said, here's what I think. I think you die, they put you in the grave, they cover you up, and everybody forgets you, they forget what you've done, and that's it. That's life. Five minutes later, he gets a call. It's his daughter on the phone. Tommy could tell there was something wrong. His voice got really emotional, and, and, uh, and he was upset, and finally uh, the phone call ended, and Tommy said, is everything okay? And he said, that was my daughter. And she said that she was in this very serious accident, and, and she almost died. She could have died. It was such a, such a serious accident, and, um, and I'm, you know, I'm shaken up. And so Tommy said, who cares? He stopped. He was stunned. He said, what do you mean, who cares? He said, you just told me not more than five minutes ago that... This is what it's like. We die, they bury us, nobody remembers us. That's it. The man paused. He got a smile on his face. He said, I think you need to go back to being a preacher. Sometimes a preacher has to say to the atheist, hey, you're not being consistent with your atheism. There's more to life than just living a few years and dying and everybody forgetting you. We're made in the image of God. We're created in his image to be um, loved and cared for by people and by God himself. By the same token, Christians can live like atheists as we deal with difficulties in our life, as we wait where we don't understand that God, in fact, is in control. You see, if God is not in control, then as we wait for the Lord, we, we have no reason to be positive. There's no power in our patience. We're just like a bobber thrown into the middle of the Atlantic, Atlantic Ocean, just hoping somehow that we'll, we'll wash up on shore and, and have some solid ground. But that is not the truth. The truth is that God is our rock. God is in control. And so as believers in Christ, as believers in God as Father, um, even in a time of being passive, we wait, we're patient, there is an activity in our patience. And first we pray. You notice that David prays. Prayer, uh, verse 1, I cried out to God. Verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. And so we call out to the Lord. And I challenge you as a congregation uh, this week, even tomorrow, to fast and pray. As your pastor, I'm calling us to fast and pray related to the coronavirus, that God would remove the coronavirus uh, from our community and from our nation and from the world. Um, if you've never done that before, if you've never fasted, um, and uh, certainly uh, don't do that if there's any uh, health concerns, but uh, maybe take one meal and fast during that time. 
And one of the benefits of fasting is that as you experience hunger pangs, you're reminded to pray. And so let's take tomorrow in particular to fast and pray and ask the Lord uh, to do a dramatic work, uh, to do a work of his grace um, in this world, in our nation, in our church, in our families, uh, and to protect and to heal. And so we pray. Secondly, as we're patient with the Lord, we are active in our trust in the Lord. Trust is an activity. We rely on the Lord. We read in Psalm 40, verse 4, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud. We trust in the Lord. We don't trust in anything else. In the life of Israel, they trusted oftentimes in entities other than the Lord. The Lord said, believe in me, trust in me, I will be your protection. And instead, they would put their faith in kingdoms around them, whoever was the biggest and the baddest. Sometimes it was Egypt. They would rely on Egypt. God would explicitly say, don't do that. And they did anyway. And so we rely and we trust on the Lord. We don't trust on on anything else. And that includes our government. You know, uh, there are certain things that took place this week which are, uh, I think, probably great. Uh, But we don't patiently put our trust in $2 trillion. We don't patiently trust in social distancing. Now, I can't speak to the $2 trillion. I'm not an economist. I think the social distancing is pretty clearly something that will help. And so those things are not bad. In fact, the, the Bible says that God ordains the governing authorities. And even as a, as a church, we've sought to, to listen uh, and, to, um, and to obey the governing authorities as it comes to how we do social distancing and how we uh, conduct our life as a church. And so um, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying those things are bad. But what I'm saying is that we don't trust in those things. We trust in the Lord. And those things will only work if the Lord is in it. And they will not work if the Lord is not in it. And so we place our faith and our foundation in the Lord, and we are patient with the Lord. And so verses 4 and 5, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied... O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds are so many things that the Lord has done. They're multiplied again and again, and your thoughts toward us, none can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. The, the multiplication of the way in which God provides for us every single day, whether it's related to the, the, the uh, coronavirus or other health issues, or other difficulties we go through, or just providing food and clothing and shelter every every single day. All those things come from the hand of the Lord, and we trust in him uh, as uh, he delivers these things to us, as we wait at times for these things to come. One of the evidences that we trust in the Lord is obedience. We see that in verses 6 through 8 of chapter 40. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, But you have given me an open ear, burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. 
Your law is within my heart. David is saying it's not simply about me going to temple to worship uh, back in the day that this was written and to make sacrifices and to go out and to cheat my neighbor, to be unfaithful to my spouse. You know, when we trust in the Lord, we are willing to wait as difficulties come up in our lives. And when we don't trust the Lord, oftentimes what we do is we disobey the Lord. We, we steal uh, or we cheat or we lie or we are unfaithful to our spouse when we say, when is the Lord going to deliver me? Uh, just like Abraham uh, was to wait on the Lord and he and Sarah concocted a plan uh, to um, sort of help God along in bringing an heir to Abraham and to keep his promise. But that wasn't God's will. God's intention was for Abraham to wait and for us to wait. And so we delight in following God's law as we're patient, positive patience, understanding that we trust the Lord. We're waiting for him. We know he will deliver us. Now, we're patient, we trust in the Lord, but we don't trust in our obedience. Our obedience is a sign that we trust the Lord, but we don't trust in that obedience. And we see that beginning with verse 11. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me, your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. There he's saying, these are all the difficulties and trials in my life. But then he goes on to say, my iniquities have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. He said, they are more than the hairs of my head. Is he talking about his difficulties or is he talking about his sins, his iniquities? The answer is yes. He's talking about both. Now, we don't have time right now to go into all of the intricacies of how the Bible um, teaches us, how our sin relates to difficulties in our lives. Simply for today, the point is this. The point is that we don't put our faith and our trust in our ability to obey as if some, somehow God owes us deliverance because of our obedience. As David points out right here in the text, even as he prays with boldness for God to deliver him, that his iniquities number more than the hairs on his head. And if you come to God in your patience and your waiting and you say, God, I do not deserve whatever is coming to my life, then your patience is not going to be powerful or positive, it will be bitter. You'll be filled with bitterness as people demand that God do for them because somehow they have earned it. That's not the case. The Bible says that we sin. We've fallen short of the glory of God. On the other hand, there are those that would say, I understand my sin, and so therefore God couldn't possibly ever deliver me. Everything that happens in my life uh, I deserve, and so therefore God won't deliver me. 
Well, I've been using a lot of words that begin with the letter P today, and I'm going to use another uh, word, a big one, propitiation. God gives us propitiation. Uh, What is that? That means this, that God has taken the just punishment that we deserve and laid that punishment on Jesus Christ. He's removed his punishment and his wrath from us, and he's placed it upon his perfect sinless son, Jesus Christ. He did that on the cross. Jesus took what we deserved. And so the wrath of God is removed from us and placed on Christ, and we now have a restored relationship with a God who is no longer our judge but our heavenly Father. And that happens when we place our faith not in our obedience but in Christ's obedience, not in our goodness but in what Christ has accomplished on the cross for us. That's called propitiation. And if we have experienced that, we know what it means to be restored through the forgiveness of sins to a wonderful relationship with God who is our Father. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace, as it says in Hebrews chapter 4. We don't come boldly before uh, the bench of justice. If God is the judge sitting in the bench of justice, sitting there to judge, we will not come boldly. But if God is seated on the throne of grace where we get what we don't deserve, something good, then we will come boldly, just like David did. He admitted his sin, and at the same time he cried out boldly, enthusiastically, positively for God's deliverance as he waited the Prime Minister of Jamaica a week ago called on the nation of Jamaica to, uh, to pray. And he began that process with a prayer. And we see in that prayer both an admission of sin in the nation of Jamaica, a confession, and a bold prayer that God would be gracious. He said this, he prayed this, Teach us thy way and lead us into thy paths. Give us sight and direction. Teach us true respect for all. And give us a heart that fears you and regards the sanctity of life. Heavenly Father, it is our deep desire for our nation to be released from the burden of the sins of our past and be reconciled to Almighty God. Have mercy and grant us our present and grant our request. We decree and declare that Jamaica under God shall increase in beauty, fellowship, and prosperity and play her part in advancing the welfare of the whole human race. Grant us these mercies and blessings in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. We can pray boldly, even knowing that we have no, uh, we have nothing to offer before God to say, God, I deserve for you to come to my aid. No. God comes to our aid because of his abundant grace. Verse 16, But all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. That's positive patience. We see the Lord act. We trust in him. And then we are able to give God glory. God receives glory as he answers our prayers, as we wait on him, as he delivers us, He receives glory from us and people all around the world 
acknowledge that God is great. Verse 5, I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. Verse 9, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. God will be glorified as we wait on him patiently. Now, we know that God will deliver us at some point from the coronavirus. And we can look back to other ways in which God has already done that in our lives. How has God delivered you in the past as you've waited through some difficulty and you've seen God at work? And we know we can take encouragement from that even as we look to our present situation. But when this is all done, there will be other things and probably other things even now that you're waiting on for God to deliver you from. David actually concludes the psalm with that. This isn't just a psalm about how God delivered David and everything is rosy and everything is sweet. No, he ends this way. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. If we ask God not to delay, are we being patient? Yes, we can be patient. And at the same time say, don't delay. Deliver me now. And yet, We trust in the Lord's timing, whatever it may be. Waiting is about time. Our times are in the Lord's hands, and we trust in him that he's working through it. In the the, uh, series, um, The uh, um, Lord of the Rings, the book Fellowship of the Ring, and in the movie we find uh, Gandalf speaking to Frodo, And for those of you who haven't seen the Lord of the Rings uh, movies or books, uh, let me just say, the ring is bad. Uh, The ring has caused lots of problems, lots of difficulties, lots of death, lots of mayhem. And um, Frodo is discussing this with Gandalf, and he says, I wish the ring had never come to me. I wish none of this had happened. And Gandalf responds, So do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. There are other forces at work in this world, Frodo, besides that of evil. Bilbo was meant to find the ring, in which case you were also meant to have it. And that is an an encouraging thought. You see, we might say, with this and other difficulties, I wish the ring had never come. I wish uh, the coronavirus had never come, or whatever the difficulty is. And the, the rational response is, so do all who live to see such, such times. But that is not for us to decide. All we have to decide is what we do with the time that is given to us. And what we've learned today is that we can wait patiently that there is power in positive patience. We wait on the Lord patiently, positively, and in prayer to him.